Oh. You're doing good. Keep going. Yeah. You're doing great. Truck along. 99. And Megan, the director of marketing and sales. All the sales. All the marketings. <laughs> um, so, uh, really excited. We have Gemma Fleming here with us today, who is one of the most multifaceted, most fascinating women to me. Uh, and I definitely think that you guys will think uh, the same thing. But um, she's one of the most multifaceted human beings that I've met in this journey that is Society9. Um, she's a really important part of our community, really doing some cool creative stuff um, related to the sport, uh, but also outside of the sport. And her journey to even get to where she is as both an amateur or have you transitioned to pro yet? Oh, I'm still an amateur. I haven't okay. uh, fought that long yet. <laughs> yeah. So um, she, the place that she's at now is an amateur Muay Thai fighter, as well as a filmmaker and creative. Um, she's got a really powerful, uh, fascinating journey and how she got there as well, both reflecting on struggle, tragedy, uh, but also really overcoming a lot of those challenges to to rise up and be the badass that she is now. Um, so before we get into Gemma's um, background and, and start chatting with her just really quickly, for those of you who are joining us for the first time, Society Nine's the brand for the fight in every woman. We make the best boxing and MMA gear out there for women by women. Um, and on that note, Gemma. It's Hi. time to hype you up. Thanks. Be your own well, hype train, girl. I yeah. know. I feel, like, I feel like you guys did a lot of that already. I'm like, man, you probably said a lot nicer things than I would say about myself. Uh, <laughs> yeah, don't screw up. Don't, yeah, don't screw, screw it up. up. Don't screw it up. Um, yeah, I well, I... Um, I'm a photographer and filmmaker based out of New York, and I'm also an amateur Muay Thai fighter, and um, I've been spending the past uh, three years of um, my um, life here and on the East Coast dedicated to um, training to become, hopefully one day, um, a professional Muay Thai fighter. Um, but as far as, uh, as I, wow, I feel like I'm screwing this up already. <laughs> That's all right, now. Yeah, right. No pressure. Um, but the the paths that have kind of crossed between Muay Thai and what I regularly do, which is um, I'm a filmmaker and a photographer, is I've started uh, getting into filming other women, not just in Muay Thai, but in different uh, martial arts uh, about their um, personal journeys and also um, just a regular sparring or training sessions to kind of get these little vignettes of uh, what other women who... Um, do combat sports or martial arts um cut like the kind of the beauty behind it like what they um what's so special about it so um yeah that's that's kind of i guess that's just kind of what i do like i i, I make films and i fight so i guess in short that's <laughs> well <laughs> make films and i fight yeah films and fight <laughs> um well let's be clear though the film is pretty cool i've been able to see snippets and trailers that you've released along the way but tell us a little bit more about your film senshi Oh, sure. Um, so Senshi is a, um, it's a visual narrative that I started on about two years ago. I actually uh, was inspired to start uh, filming all the women involved uh, through my boxing coach. Um, I joined a gym in 2013, probably around this time. And, the Watt! Uh, yeah, at the Watt, uh, down in Tribeca, uh, John Phil Nurse and Susan Reno, those are the uh, two people that kind of run the place. And you have instructors here and there, but really, like, it's Phil, and it's basically his other half, you know, Susan Reno. She's 
started with them as a Muay Thai fighter, and then she moved on to boxing. Um, once she um, ran into some, uh, I think she had like a little bit of a hip injury. She just had surgery recently. So, um, but she started um, kind of getting really involved into my early training, even when I couldn't even like hold pads or hit mitts or, you know, I'd like my feet were all crossed over. She'd be the one to come over and be like, hey, don't do that. Do this. Come over here. Hit the bag. Do this. She spent so much time trying to make sure that I was getting everything right. And then one day I started uh, watching her um, do her own um, practice and sparring. And one day I just asked her, I said, hey, do you mind if I film you? And so I started following her a little bit more. We would set up these shoots where it wasn't really like a documentary style or I was like a fly on the wall. I would just sort of... um, ask her to do certain things in her training that she thought would be visually appealing. And then as I started working with her, I started meeting other girls through the gym. And then I kind of met, you know, met other people who train in different types of martial arts. And that kind of snowballed into, you know, from being a short video with one person to, I think I have about 15 or 16 girls, maybe more than that, featured in the piece. So, um... Yeah, so now it's two years later, it's finally come together, and uh, it's like about, I would say maybe nine or ten minutes long, Um, but now it's this visual narrative on kind of like the kinetic and emotional and also spiritual connection that every girl has just from something that is as um, simple but complex as martial arts. Mm. So is it, it, it's a documentary or it's more kind of like memoir? Mem- it's more of like a memoir, style. yeah. Like a, uh-huh. it's it's more like a visual narrative. There's no spo- uh, there's no dialogue over it. It's all set to music. It was supposed to be more of like it, I was thinking about documentary, and then it became more of like maybe it would be a sort of like short piece, like a visual thing, where it would just feature Susan, and then it just it. I don't know. I kind of I had no real plans with for it or what to do with it, so it just kind of grew into its own thing. Um, so that's that's kind of what it is now. But a lot of people are like, oh, it's a documentary. And, and it was a documentary when it started, but now it's, it's just become something else. And it's actually, it's kind of like, a, I'd like to like to call it like a, you know, a love letter for all women. I know it sounds a little cheesy, but that's sort of No, my, I love you know. that. Yeah. <laughs> I like, I had a little like stutter in my stomach hearing that. Like, Aww. it's awesome. So what inspired you to transition from originally starting it as a documentary and then making it more like a visual, as you describe it, a visual love letter to, you know, women and female fighters everywhere. Well, I felt like I got so invested with every person I would meet. I mean, for me, it, I became kind of a fan of every girl I met, you know, I would kind of hear, um, I, I would meet them. Some, most of them were complete strangers before I, um, even began filming with them. You know, sometimes I would meet them after an email exchange and I'd show up at their gym. I'd be looking for who, whoever it was that I was in contact with. Um, and you know, it, it's not that doing the documentary forum would be a disservice at all to, um, to the original concept, but I found that doing something of a narrative and kind of giving the piece um, something visually that I felt like I was seeing in each of them, it, it sort of seemed to kind of 
work well like for the final product. Um, plus, there seemed to be a lot of and not not to you know knock anyone down on that has done like documentaries on women, but um, I kind of wanted it to sort of cross platforms from people just looking into what a female fighter does to what it actually feels like, you know, the emotional tug of it, or, you know, just some of the little visual cues that someone who fights, like, they would pick up on if even if they were to take another art, martial art. So that's that's kind of where I was starting to go with that. Um, I love that. I love that. I think it's a lot of what you just said right there about, um, we actually, in our la- uh, one of our last podcasts most recently with a woman named Amy DePaola, who is a amateur boxer out of Boston, also a filmmaker and creative. She recently did a short film, and we actually talked about the stereotype of the fighter, quote-unquote, whether you're female or male, you know, like there's... Right, like, there's, I, I don't want to shoot, like, you know, a long video of a uh, training partner of mine, like, running across the bridge. I mean, it looked really nice if you, you know, did it right, but it's sort of like, well, people expect it to, you know, look like um, a Nike commercial or, you know, that's that's not that's not what I really wanted to do with the whole, you know the whole piece, you know, I wanted to kind of like more like emotionally kind of connect with people, not just the rhetoric of hitting the speed bag or doing the road work of jump rope and all that stuff, which is really, that that is a part of the work that we do, but everyone kind of knows about those different um, uh, expected visual tropes that we have in, you know, in film. Mm -hmm. No, totally. I think also what you said about the feeling, I mean, I know for me personally, I think Megan can attest to it as well. It's like the feeling, not just of training, but the feeling that you get over that period of time from when you start training to when it just becomes a part of your life, like a way of, of life, it literally transforms you as a woman. And I've tried to articulate it before, whether it's to invest potential investors for Society 9 or like people who ask me, like friends, right, who don't do boxing, don't right. do mixed martial arts, don't do anything, you know, they try to understand like what makes a woman especially want to do that and it's like you can't you can't really put to words like because it does transform you in a way that is really difficult to articulate in a lot of ways oh totally i um it, you know it's it's strange because and maybe for myself too um because i always wanted to at least get into some sort of uh, former martial arts but i you know i my family was definitely very against it um but for a lot of people, you know, it's for it's for fitness or it's, you know, to get yourself in shape. And some people end up just doing that for, you know, cardio and to feel better. And that's great. You know, it's, it's a great way to let off steam. Other people who, like, you know, women like ourselves and men like ourselves start to kind of find that there's like, um, there's sort of like a, a, I wouldn't call it darkness, but there's like an energy that like pulls you into doing something that only transforms your mind, your body. It's sort of, for me, I feel like it's just like restructured my entire way of being and thinking. So yeah, it's like, you know, people are like, oh, why would you want to do that? Aren't you worried about getting hit in the face? Or, you know, God, that seems really exhausting. It's like, well, I don't think about that, you know, like after a while, it's like, I know I want to get better. So those are, you know, I, I can see why if you were to approach investors and say, hey, you know, these products are great, but they know it's great, but unless if you're actually the person that's using it, then you really don't know what it's actually, you know, like how great it is to have the kind of support that your guys' whole business model has, you know. Like it's, uh, you know, it's very important. So you said that um, growing up, you know, your parents didn't really support or encourage martial arts. Like, what was that journey like for you in terms of, like, self-discovery, 
um, and how it ultimately led to you doing where you are today. Yeah, that's where you are today. Because obviously, if I remember correctly, because you, um, and for those of you who don't know, actually, Gemma wrote a really incredible um, storyteller's blog post that you can find on our website. Um, and she was one of our earliest uh, contributors to the post, and her story was really powerful just, again, because of the different types of hurdles she had to overcome from a cultural perspective, a familial perspective, because, you know, your family wasn't necessarily supportive of martial arts, but then, you know, you discovered it a little later. I mean, not that you are old, but I mean, later oh, yeah, as no, in, but, like, you yeah. know, as an adult, you discovered it as an adult, which I think is actually really common for women, especially. I think you know, so, too. I mean, you yeah. see a lot of um, a lot of girls that come through the gym now, you know, you and uh, I always giggle about it every time it happens you know you see them kind of gear up to you know punch something and they kind of hold back and then you know our coaches will come up he's like just hit it just just go ahead and hit it and they hit and they hit as hard as they can and the face that they get when they realize they have the license to hit something it just like lights up they just want to do it again and again and again and it's awesome you're just like oh there you go that's where it is you know but, um, <laughs> um yeah no it it was strange because my parents never outright said like, don't do martial arts, don't do something specific, but they, you know, the, all the things that they wanted to direct me towards, um, growing up implied that, uh, I mean, even at one point where I, my stepfather, I guess not my, my parents had split up and my mother remarried, uh, twice. Um, her second husband was really into, um, MMA. And I remember watching some of the earliest UFC fights, um, you know, back then when you used to have at the Hard Rock Cafe and, you know, car alarms were going off. Like we used to watch those on, um, on, uh, on the Scrambler. And, uh, I remember one day he, um, he had a punching bag tied up to a tree in front of our house. And I was like, Oh, I want to go out and hit him. My mom was just like, absolutely not. Like, I, I would rather, you know, I, I remember she was just like, you get back inside. I'm like, well, why not? And it was just sort of those things where, like, everyone else, all the boys were allowed to hit the bag, cousins, other people's kids, but it was in front of my house, and I wasn't even allowed to touch it. So my mom put me kind of into this path of, um, you know, stuff that I felt like I might have wanted as a young girl, but as I started getting older, I grew disinterested and resented a lot of things that, my parents were trying to make me do to be either more the ideal uh, female or feminine, like beauty pageants and modeling, acting, voice lessons and all that kind of stuff. Just like eventually I grew tired of and, you know, it, it just it's sort of everything that I really wanted was kind of in the right structure of something like uh, martial arts. So um, I do appreciate it more that I'm older and I found it at this point in my life on my own. Um, I would have, you know, had if I had it when I was younger, yeah, that would have been great. But, you know, I, I can't, I always try to think that if there were things that I wanted when I was younger that I have now, what I usually try to, you know, suspect is that it's coming now at the right time where I can receive it and really appreciate it. Well, and I especially, I, I definitely can empathize with you on that because I remember growing up, I wanted to be the wide receiver for the Green Bay Packers. What? <laughs> it, didn't, it didn't work out. Yeah, it did not work out. Did not Maybe work out. Um, yeah. yeah, but I remember, you know, there was like That's a awesome. co-ed, yeah, there was a co-ed rec football team that a bunch of girls, and by a bunch, I mean like three, but still, like, yeah, That's there were three lot, girls. Though. That's a lot, That's a lot. That is a lot. And it was yeah. not this flag touch stuff. This was like real tackle, 
you know, running into shit, whatever. I really wanted to play, and my dad was like, absolutely not, and he like shoved everything in my hands. Piano, cello, uh, voice lessons too. It's funny when you said that, I was like, oh man, the arts. Yeah, (laughs) I'm just like, you are going to be the next Celine Dion. I'm like, mom, she's Canadian. I'm right now, I'm halfway lost it, I can't. Yeah, I know. That's great, yeah. So I, I almost feel like that's what makes like, to your point about discovering it later in life, it makes it that much more powerful because it's like all your life you've been told what to do. So now that you've been able to claim something for yourself, that's how I feel personally about any sort of combat. Oh, yeah, no, I'm right there I with you. Moment. Absolutely. For, for me, I think it's like, so I'm a Muay Thai competitor too. And awesome. For, for me, so I found Muay Thai after I broke my back. Um... And for me, I think that I found it at a time where I was, like, open to taking the time to learn and open to, um, because there's definitely a mindset that comes with all combat sports, but Muay Thai in particular, there's a, there's a certain, especially traditional schools, there's a certain attitude. And I think had I found that in my 20s, I would have been like, this shit is crazy. (laughs) (laughs) What's this thing on my head? Why do I got to do this thing on the floors? Dance? Yeah. Wait, I have to dance before I punch someone? That's weird. (laughs) Whereas whereas now, like when I'm sealing the ring, like that is like my favorite. That's it's awesome. It's an amazing feeling to like say those prayers in the corner and um, oh, that's such an honor. Yeah, and like raise up your coaches and your family and your training partners and even your competitor. Um, I don't know. It's like I feel like in my twenties, my ego was too big. There wasn't enough room in in my heart for like the things that have really like transformed my life with with martial arts. So I wish everyone could feel that. It's pretty cool. I know. I get what you're saying too about the the dark place. It's like yeah. this really warm, dark place. Yeah, that, like, exactly. <laughs> I, I feel like... It's the, like Beyonce with her, like, real sweet, like, leather course. It's like, it's kind of dark, but it's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's a really good visual analogy. Beyonce's oh, leather it. corset things that she wears when she performs. Yeah. It's like a little weird, it's a little dark, but for yeah, some well, reason it just fits so yeah. well. <laughs> it's all cinched up. Yeah, it's a, yeah. It's a very... There's... You know, and I feel like every what's kind of nice about speaking with girls like you, women like you, is you know it kind of affirms that. Um, at least for me, I feel like a, a lot of us going through this path, it feels a little now that well now it's more commonplace to see women training at gyms. But for a while, um, you know, I was working uh, the women who were at my gym who were much better than me. Like they were already working on their own. I didn't want to get in you know the way of their training, but I was by myself. So for you know every time a woman would come in and join the gym I would want to train with them and just even like having the dialogue here where you know each of us from similar or different um uh, martial arts backgrounds it's it's kind of nice to know that there's other women out there to kind of you know unite each other and bring each other up in these kind of um combat sports you know it's it's important so and I think um, it's also important too that we we counter the mindset too that um well, and I guess this is this is just part of the nature of the beast, but, like, you know, when people are trying to sell fights, they have to talk mad shit about one another. And I get it. That's just part of, like, the industry. Oh, yeah, it's a fight game, like, yeah. It's a fight game. But, like, sometimes, you know, you just, you want to be reminded that at the end of the day, as women in the sport, like, we are here to uplift one another, no matter what your skill, your level. Like, it's yeah. hard enough as it is to be taken seriously in these spaces, right, and to have to earn additional 
respect um, and seriousness and being there. Oh, totally. I'll, I'll tell you. I'll tell you what though. Like doing a fight versus like a beauty pageant, fighters are much nicer. <laughs> oh, I girls bet. in pageants are like it's usually the mothers are awful. Like my mother was one of them. Like they, they would shoot just like you got to scare them. I'm like, why? Why do I have to scare them? It's no big deal. <laughs> but it's just like you know, it. Women have been you know especially depending where you grew up like for me it, we were all kind of like pitted against each other so it wasn't necessarily that we were you know when we looked our best we weren't looking our best for ourselves we were looking our best because we had to look better than someone else's daughter or you know it, it, it just sort of it kind of structures of it's a really skewed structure of support that we get when we're told that we can't share the platform it just has to be one of us or none of us so it's kind of nice to see that everyone like at least the mentality when it comes to like the fight game and seeing other women around it's like oh you want to get there so do i well let's just let's just see how much we can bring each other up because that's that's what's eventually going to make the sport more appealing for um the general um audience to watch when it comes to female bouts you know if besides like the ufc popularizing um you know one specific fighter in general ronda rousey which you know, she's earned her accolades and has done a lot to um, open doors for a lot of women in MMA. There's still an underserved market in different combat sports such as, um, you know, boxing. Women's boxing in general, I went to a really great panel last Friday where I saw um, uh, Alicia Ashley speak about, um, she was answering a question regarding, you know, why uh, women's boxing isn't so popular on mainstream television. She goes, you know, really, it's it's all about the, you know anywhere else in the world except for the United States women's boxing is always um, almost non-existent and a lot of times you know they're like well what's the answer to that and um, one person you know shout outs like just support it like even if you're supporting a fighter as a fighter if you support a fighter who you don't even really care for just support them because it's such small numbers and they're so underpaid it's embarrassing that or not embarrassing to the fighters but to us progressively as as a society that you know in order to get a seat at the table in the boxing world you have to you have to be a man but it's it's still not fair you know it's like a lot of these women are working part-time jobs barely scraping by i don't mean to get on the tangent but you know it's i think it's just because it was so fresh in my mind from the weekend but you know no you know you have to yeah we oh go ahead (laughs) sorry everyone wants to talk um, so we we had um, L.A. Jennings on our podcast. She's a writer for um, for Fightland, and yeah, yeah, yeah. we were talking a little bit about that as well. And we were saying, you know, it, it hurts my. So I'm on all these like, are you looking for a fight? Facebook groups and everything, and it frustrates me so much when all of these regional shows don't even have one girl fight on a card. Oh, it's frustrating. Like, I'll go in and I'll I'll buy you know a ticket. Yeah. And I'm just like, oh, great, awesome. I don't see yeah. one girl in here. And, and it's like, I, you know, granted I'm in the, in the space, but every single girl I know is looking for a fight. You're telling me that you couldn't find one set of girls to fight. Right. Like, really? Yeah. No one? Nowhere? Anywhere? I think, I think a lot of that, too, is, uh, and not to in- interject, but a lot of, and this is from my own experience, but um, I feel like a lot of uh, women in the beginning are afraid to ask for a fight because it can be deemed too aggressive. I mean, that's kind of... And, you know, I, I don't know if anyone agrees or disagrees with me on that, but mm. sometimes that can be a little hard to walk into a gym. This is me speaking from personal experience and from day one, like be like, oh, I'm going to ask for a fight. I mean, not necessarily the first day I get a pair of, you know, hand wraps, but when you really feel like it, you know, I, I remember telling my coach, like, 
I want to tell the head coach that I want to fight. She's like, go ahead. And I'm just like, I'm so nervous. I'm afraid that I'm going to look like I'm being too aggressive or out of, you know, out of bounds asking that. So, you know, um, I, I felt like that too, but I thought that was more because of being in Muay Thai. I felt like it was, I would be like picked out of the bunch. Like you're ready, like to have this like karate kid moment or something. So I kept waiting for it. And my husband was like, Oh my God, Megan, just go say something. (laughs) Well, I think it's also like, I I think there's a, maybe a a perception or misperception that, um, like to Megan's point, your coach or whoever's watching you like determines whether you're ready or on the other side, like, it's your coach who looks for you. Like you aren't the one who necessarily speaks up, right? Like it's your coach yeah, that and, actively and speaks up for there's you. There's a lot of value in that too, because sometimes if you, um, if you if you sort of go into something like forcefully being like, okay, I need to I need to get a fight. I'm gonna just do everything just for fight training. Then you sort of defeat the purpose of doing um, combat sports. So I guess it's sort of like. It's kind of like a two-way thing where you have to have a fine line where you can't ask for the fights, but you don't ask them too much. I don't know. I might, I might be stepping around a little bit too much with the with the my answer, but um, but I know that traditionally for most, at least for for what I've been doing for the last couple fights I had was I would let my coach know that I was interested, and I instead of like checking in with him every week, you know, I would kind of let it go from there. Um, Whereas a lot of times I would see people just like asking my coaches, like sitting down with them, like, what am I going to fight? What am I going to fight? It's just sort of, you know, sometimes a part of me thinks it's a little disrespectful. And another part of me is like, well, I sometimes wish I could be not that aggressive, but could have like, I don't know, like the mentality to like ask for something like that for myself. But I guess I might be, you know, I might not necessarily be the, the most uh, longest way to have like a fighting sport if you ask for a fight every week, you know? <laughs> Yeah, I I feel like I'm always like, when's the next fight? When's the next smoker? When's the next competition? Like, what's going on? But I guess that's also because, like you, I found it when I was older, and it's like, well, I don't have that much longer to like have some fun and and see what happens. So I should probably just have go at it. So well, and speaking <laughs> of matchmaking and asking for fights and all that stuff, uh, I, this morning there was a huge announcement that like a bunch of like the like old UFC brass had been fired and one of them was like the matchmaker Joe Silva. Which I is think, crazy to think about. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. I think he retired. Didn't he retire or um, not retire? Excuse mm-hmm. me, resign or did he get fired? No, it was, was like, it was letting go, like a let yeah. go. I don't oh, necessarily shit. know if there was like oh, bombs dropping at UFC, but. Oh, you're, you're allowed, allowed to, to swear. swear. You're, you are. Okay. Allowed to <laughs> <laughs> we lost right. a man. Well, I just want to be I'm probably not serving the best example for 11 year old girls everywhere. But, eh. um, but yeah, they let go Joe Silva, who's like one, obviously one of like the the longest matchmakers in the game, but specifically for UFC. And we were talking, me and I were talking about this because I was like, oh my gosh, like. This is crazy because obviously the UFC was bought by WME, which is the biggest talent agency in the world. And they represent a bunch of like Hollywood celebrities and shit. And um, I said to Megan, I was like, fuck, man, I really hope that they're not going to turn the UFC into some like WWE thing, which I'm not I'm not disrespecting the WWE. No, I understand. Uh, I understand. Competitors because they're athletes, too. And they go through hell and back for training all stuff. So th- there's that. But from a pure entertainment entity entertainment value perspective i was like i'm really scared that they're going to turn this into like wwe because 
those are UFC and WWE are two totally different things, you know. So, but um, they've been hanging out lately. Oh yeah, yeah they've been, you know. <laughs> But so what? Long long story short, what I'm trying to get at is that it'll be interesting to see what happens from a matchmaking perspective because I feel like it could also have been the old brass that has kept the women's roster all weight classes from really like moving anywhere, right? It's like yeah, well they you get yeah. They, yeah, there's in the weight classes are pretty limited. I mean, there's only several. Whereas the men's, there's it's a very broad. I mean, broad spectrum. They even make up, you know, like they allow people to kind of, and which you know, the women's. It's it's kind of for me. For me personally, I I don't mind that if a certain fighter wants to unify a belt between different weight classes, but I kind of like seeing that one fighter in that weight class. Whereas now right. it seems like everything is, you know, you've got Conor McGregor who wants to unify multiple belts, and it's just sort of like, right? It, I I like wa- I like watching fighting that one weight class. It's it just for me, you know, it's it's sort of where your your skills are, and you know, some people end up sacrificing a lot of their strengths and also gaining some when they change weight classes. But um, but for the women's, there's 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 not much. It's pretty slim pickings. Um, but, uh, That's they, my favorite argument to get into on Facebook. Is um, oh really? With, with, uh, <laughs> with trolls is my favorite. My favorite complaint is that there isn't enough depth for there to be more women. Wait, are you kidding me? Oh my oh, gosh! Man. Yeah. Wow. Oh man! I just I gotta take my ear. I, like, I gotta take my earrings out real quick. You know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. Sometimes I have to hold Megan back. I'm like Megan. I'm totally on your side, but you do represent society and I, like, let's not, let's not get into any wars, but she's well, like, like, ah! It's always these, like, it's always these, like, middle-aged white guys, and they're like, there's no depth above 135 for women. I'm like, ah! What about Cyborg? Someone that's almost killing oh. herself just to make it into a catchweight, and I mean, it's, that's, that's not, that's not fair to say. Well, I know. Um, I, I think watching... they say just to upset you, honestly, on, on a side note. Well, you I... specifically. <laughs> no, but I, I think honestly. <laughs> the problem is, though, is it goes back to what we were talking about before. There just aren't enough opportunities for women. And, and so there, you know, it's like, oh, that was, you know, people can say things like, oh, that was a lucky fight or, oh, this or that. That was one time. And it's like, well, if women were given more opportunities to fight, let me show you the like catalog of the work they've done and then tell me they're not talented. Right. And I, and, and I think the UFC specifically, and, and this isn't, this is just from my own conclusion of watching um, the uh, bantamweight division, the way it is, it's, it's, it's um, it's where they're getting the most attention with Ronda. Even when she was away, every UFC fight, people are asking Dana White, it's like, when's Ronda coming back? When's, where's Ronda? And so they're sort of, you know, besides, you know, the second star in, in the whole entire women's division general uh, to come up with, uh, jo- Joanna, um, I'm going to always, I, I have a friend, it's Polish, I'm like, how do you say your last name? Jan Jacek? Jan Jacek. okay. Okay, yeah. I was like, I told him I'm gonna cool. be on a podcast. If I talk about Joanna, please don't uh-huh. yell at me in Polish. Just call her when I Joanna go. champion. She's yeah. down for that. Always a champ. <laughs> Joanna champion. Um, yeah. But besides, um, you know, the strawweight division, the bantamweight division is, you know, that's where they always put their attention to because it really is about the personality of Ronda. They're, I think, they're kind of afraid of going with anyone else and losing a demographic mm. that might be disinterested in another weight class. You know, and you're not losing anything by bringing more women in. You never are. If anything you're going to gain more fighters but there's also yeah they go ahead go ahead oh i was just going to say i think that's what's frustrating about the ronda dynamic again not about her as an athlete her as a person but the 
the symbolism of elevating only one and having them be the symbol of it all, if that makes sense. Oh, totally. I I get why a lot of those girls were pissed, you know? And, you know, frankly, she's not the best, you know, uh, manners in public necessarily or in media, you know? It it seemed like everyone, you know, got a mouthful when they wanted to fight her. I think to the point of, like, the WWE comparison, right? It's like there's a reason why different personalities, different looks, whether you're, you're Black, Latino, Brazilian, whatever, right? Like... Having all these looks, all these different backgrounds, like Amanda Nunez is, you know, L, um, she's, I don't know what she is. She's the first openly gay champ in the UFC. Openly gay, yeah, 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 that's right. So, you know, like, there's all these different symbols that are very important to the audience. And so it's just interesting to me from a business decision, why do they don't see that? If we're going to talk pure money, right? Like, yeah. Why do they not see that as a, like, capitalistic endeavor? Because yeah. it is, like... I, it makes no sense to me. Um, well, I, I think with their number, I mean, and I think with their numbers now or previously, you know, they always found like their one formula, you know, they had, you know, 40, like, you know, 30 to 40, 50 year old white dudes watching this for the longest time. And so I'm sure a lot of those old yeah. school guys kind of stuck to it. It's like, OK, if we put these guys up they basically mirror the peers that are watching it, the audience, they're always going to want to watch. You know, it's, there's always a fantasy of wanting mm-hmm. to fight, but never doing the, you know, the, the road work. So mm-hmm. now that the audience is bringing in a lot more people from, you know, from different um, women you know, in particular. Oh, totally. I, every time I go to yeah. a bar, and I see another woman watch. I sit there right next to her. I'm like, hey, how's it going? You know, or, you know, try to go with other, my other gal friends. And it's 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 a it's a it's fun. We have like a, a good time, you know. Well, UFC released data that like the women's side on the fan side is just like exploding for them. Like That's women awesome. are becoming a fan base for them. Yet we're still not investing in female fighters. I follow so many <laughs> UFC fighters on uh, female female uh, UFC fighters. Um on Instagram, for instance, and, like, you know, there's names that, again, win or lose, whether you like her, don't like her, like, sell great because they have a huge family. Like, Felice Herrick, perfect example. I was scrolling through my feed the other day, and she was training, and, like, I think she made some comment in her caption, like, hey, if anybody's ready to pull out, like, I'm here, I'm training, I'm, you know, I'm ready to go. And it's just, like, it's really sad to me because, you know, Felice Herrig, at least in the strawweight division, is arguably one of, like, the more popular fighters in the strawweight division. Yeah, she's she got her... she can't a, even get a fight. Yeah. And, I mean, she was a... Uh, granted, she... I think she was away doing... Um, and you find a lot of a lot of women in that particular division, like uh, Paige Van Sant. She went off and did Dancing with the Stars for a while. Because, really, that in my conclusion is and is that they, they probably have the free time to do things in between matches. There's a lot of downtime in between. Uh, I remember when Holly Holmes said that she wanted to do, um, wanted to defend her belt so early because waiting so long between fights doesn't help her. Granted that she lost that fight, it w- it was like a hell of a fight. Um, she would rather be in the cage, in the ring, versus just sitting off to the side being like, cool, I'm training every day, this is great, I'm getting better, but when's it going to pay off? When am I going to be able to show off my talents? Yeah. Right. Well, you don't you don't get in even the first time with the uh, idea of just hanging out. So, yeah. <laughs> it's definitely a mindset, you yeah. know. So that makes sense for sure. So, with everything going on with the film, you know what what's your 
What's your fight journey look like? Uh, for now, I've just been um, kind of in the similar um, state I've been. I've been uh, training. Um, I I am looking for a match. Um, I hope my coach doesn't listen to us, but if he does, I'll be like, great, thanks for supporting, but don't feel any pressure to give me a fight right away after yeah. this. Um, but, uh, yeah, just trying to get back into the gym as much as I can. I spent a little bit of time um, split between finishing my film and... Um, trying to also enjoy what was left of summer um but it's mm. october and it's 70 degrees in new york and i'm sweating so it's like it didn't go away at all um sounds amazing sounds yeah. amazing you it's don't even awesome. know what it's like i know you're like <laughs> woke up it's, this morning 46 degrees it's oh. like dewy and wet and yeah see i was all ready for the fall and then i get out in the sweater and i have to go back and change and went all right what, what do you want what do you want in new york this happened all the same thing tough last year life Gemma, I, tough life. Oh. <laughs> no, but um no I just I try to go in and, and train as much as I can. Um, I've really been focusing on um, tightening up my clinch game. I really love clinch. It's like my favorite part of Muay Thai, and our school, um, our instructor is really well known for it. So um, there's been a couple of seminars that he's done, and um, I've gone in and sort of helped um, shadow and help other students um, learn. So it's just mostly that. Um, I've I have uh, luckily I um, I date my training partner as well. So you know it's kind of nice that we both train together. Scandalous. And- I know. <laughs> well, we did I hide it. We coach, hid it. So there's that. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, for for a while you were just like you know we kind of kept under wraps, but I think everyone kind of figured out. But you know we keep it respectful on the mat, and then when we go home, we're just ourselves. So, um, but yeah, that's that's basically been what train what training's been like. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we argue, but then we work it out in sparring, then we walked away. No. <laughs> no, he's always um, been helpful. That's awesome. So what's what's your schedule like for the film? I mean, obviously, we again, we've had the, for- the fortunate opportunity to interview several female fighters who happen to be filmmakers as well. So we we have a sense of what it's like and how crazy it is to submit a film to festivals or, you know, to different events or, whatever. you know, what's what's next for Senshi and when can we see it? As oh, Sinai. But when uh, can everybody else see it? Um. So right now, the film is just going to be screened in um, less than a month. It's going to screen on the 11th of November. And after that, um, I need to uh, work out a couple things regarding um, where what other places would like to um, do um, either like a pop-up screen for a night. Uh, Festivals are in mind, too. Um, yeah, I'm just, I'm kind of taking it, uh, one step at a time. Not really, I'm more excited to get it out there finally. It's taken, at least for me, it's, two years isn't a long time at all, but for me, it's like, I I had a goal of getting this done in, like, the three months after I started, so it's been a Mm. long time, (laughs) but... But, um, but yeah, well, this... there's a great art scene in Portland. Yeah. Well, you know what? Portland we is one place. We know a few people. Oh, there we go. I mean, I, I would definitely be up to talking to spaces who'd be interested in um, in screening it. The, ex- the format for the screening next month is going to be different than the video, uh, the version that you guys saw. 
Um, the way that I'm laying out in the edit for the premiere is it's a multi-channel um, installation, so it'll be three screens running at once, and it sort of mm. acts as like the ultimate can't like the basically the entire dimension of the video is run through three different separate channels. So you know one scene where we cut in the single channel video from one girl to another, it'll be both girls mm. running at the same time and then something happening in the middle of the frame. You know it's. Uh, Mm -hmm. So it's supposed to be kind of like an immersive experience as you watch the film. Um, Overwhelming and intense. And it's awesome. fun. <laughs> yeah, awesome. The editing process, not so much, but you know, it's. I it's, can imagine. Yeah. Well, definitely let us know how we can help you with that. Oh, please! Um, you guys, you, and you guys I have think, been so helpful. I really, I really, really appreciate. I mean, that you, you guys have been so. I, I can't even thank you enough. So yeah, I will. But if anything, I will definitely talk to you guys more about it. I would definitely love yeah. to. Like I said, I think the one thing I just, I really love about your film and how unique it is, is that like, um, like you said, like you try to capture the feeling and that's what I'm love about Jill Morley's film, Fight Like a Girl and Amy DePaula's short film, Amy D. Like both of them too are just focused on the feeling. So like Jill, for instance, talks about like the mental health journey that she personally went through as well as some of the women she trained with. Oh and yeah. And some of the scenes that she captured were just so, you know, they're not just like, sitting there interviews it's like she you're she, in it you're in it like she yeah. does a really good job of like capturing you in it and then amy d same thing like she went um she experienced a personal experience with assault uh, she was assaulted um on her way home and um her film is it's short it's like 17 minutes but she has a really good job of capturing like the trauma that comes from that and how it affects day-to-day -day from you know, dating to uh, personal perception of yourself to just like the little nuances that you don't think about, um, but how it just travels with you forever. I mean, I just I love this little movement of of women who happen to be fighters, but they're creatives as well, trying to illustrate really what it means to fight. Um, it's just such an exciting time that we're living in to see women like you guys doing Aww. that. So, well, yeah, you know, it's. Yeah, well, thank. I mean, thank you for you know mentioning the film. I I saw um I saw Jill's film a while back, and then I had the chance to rewatch it again this weekend. Uh, it was actually the same panel I went to. They were um they were screening her movie, and uh, it's it's interesting to see how women who are storytellers in the film form always tie it back to the emotional versus a lot of times that you kind of see in Hollywood's portrayal. It's like there's there's the generic like oh I you know I need to learn how to take care of myself and you know it's my duty to you know be strong and you know my anger is legitimate and all these like little tr these little um, scenarios that are commonplace but for her it's like she had she, she had some big bouts with PTSD that you know even during the filmmaking she uh, she tried attempting suicide and that's like that part actually resonated more with me than, you know, all of the training she actually did. It's like, oh, wow, like, this is, this is, this is you. You know, that's, that's, that's the kind of stuff that I, I like seeing in, um, in what people do in the storytelling process, you know, with a film it's like so this. It's so interesting, too, with all of you women kind of creating this space and, and showing these different facets, how it gives opportunities for other women to see themselves in this world. Um, like we went to a screening of, of Jill's film and there were a lot of women who after the filming, they were like, I never thought I could do this, but I think I want to do this. And, um, and also just seeing themselves in these women that 
from the outside, right? Because they're fighters. Like, oh, they're so strong. There's no vulnerability. And I think it's cool for people to see that, that side of it. So Yeah. No, it's... Yeah, it's a, all the ladies are getting together. It's always good times. Yeah. All these, all these little bits and pieces of the female fighter puzzle are getting put into place by women like you. It's very, very oh. cool. Yeah. Well, I appreciate it's it. Im- it's important, I think, for our community to be showing that like femininity, again, is like the vulnerability. It's the softness, the emotional. But it is this aggression. It is this power. It is... Um, deep-rooted strength that is typically underestimated but is is there and doesn't have an opportunity to release itself because again we're suppressed by it in our society so i think you know if if at minimum artistically you know this is the way that we show that it it is possible to be released um and that inspires people to actually uh manifest it realistically in their own realities their own communities their environments whatever i think that's that's why we want to find opportunities to celebrate films like yours jill's and and amy's because if at minimum they can't connect with a ronda rousey or a ufc or whatever right if at minimum they can't connect with that then they can certainly uh, connect with vulnerability because that and not and not that those fighters don't have the realness and their vulnerability in their own rights but you know if if from a contractual perspective they're not allowed to really be that vulnerable mm-hmm. in the public eye, then the creatives like you who show the raw emotion that it actually takes, um, that's where we're all about elevating that. So let, continue to let us know um, what we can do to help you. So on that note, I think that's a great transition to um, wrap it up, but I would love for you to tell us where we can follow you, follow Senshi, what dates or cities that we should be looking out for ready to go oh, totally awesome um well you you could find me on the internet um like most things <laughs> and most people um i have a website gemmafleming.com you can also find me on instagram same name um i don't have any dedicated um uh, space for senshi like a website or anything but if you look up hashtag senshi and senshi movie most of the popular posts from my film will show up. Um, mm-hmm. For now, if you guys are in the New York area at all, um, around November 11th, we're going to have a screening in Brooklyn. Um, feel free to contact me. You could probably find my contact information um, via your guys' website from the previous um, article that I did. And um, if anything, um, I think our RSVP list is just about to close, but we might have room for a couple more people. So feel free to reach out. I would love to have anyone to come check it out. It's it's going to be it'll be a fun night. And then hopefully we'll I'll keep you ladies posted on any developments, uh, hopefully in your guys' city. That'd be kind of cool. I would like to go down. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. Yeah, let so, us know how we can facilitate that. Yeah. I will um, have a little. We'll save it for outside the podcast. I'll send you an email. Uh, <laughs> so again, um, that film, guys, is Senshi S E N S H I I two eyes. Oh, it's um, just Gemma, one eye. Oh, it's one eye. One eye. I apologize. Oh, that's okay. And then, and then Gemma, her name is spelled with a G and Thank two you. M's. Gemma G E M M A Fleming. You can find her on Instagram um and on facebook and uh we will certainly share i actually saw your post about your film screening for november so we will make sure to share that on the society nine facebook Thanks, page ladies. So keep a look out for that 
Um, but yeah, thanks so much for having. Yeah, thank uh, you. Yeah, ladies, thank you so us. much. Thank you, appreciate it. You guys are, you know, every time I see anyone with your product at the gym, I always have to be like, stop. I don't know your name, but I got to take a picture. And you know, people <laughs> Aww, are really thanks, happy Jeff. with the product. So you know, I'm, awesome. I'm just uh, waiting for you guys to make a vegan version of your gloves, and I'm totally on board. <laughs> But Girl, I'm really excited. You. Thank We're you. Working on it. We're working We're on it. there as fast awesome. as possible. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Gemma. We'll talk right. to you soon. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Bye. Bye.